0: Alright, I'll do Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531 24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
2: The championship season is over, and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app and hit
3: subscribe.
4: Hello and Merry Christmas, welcome to another episode of White Wine Question Time, something from the cellar, where to celebrate the Christmas week in full flow and just in case you need a quiet 20 minutes away from all the madness, I bought up a few vintage selections from the White Wine Question Time cellar that celebrate this the season to be jolly and first up it's Welsh actor, Hollywood superstar and singer Luke Evans who as well as starring in Hannah Waddingham's magical Christmas special has also performed duets with the likes of Ollie Mers Beverly Knight, Leanne Rimes and Nicole Scherzinger for a BBC Christmas special last year. Here he is telling us what it was like to sing alongside some of his favourite superstars. It's like singing these big Christmas songs because obviously you were raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So Christmas mm. isn't isn't a new concept to you, but it's um well it's not you didn't grow well, up with a tree like that behind you
5: in your home. Did no, you? it didn't, no, not like this gorgeous thing. That um, bad thing. We should plug it on. Plug it in, Barney. I'll get my <laughs> assistant to plug it in just so you can Fire have a more glow. <laughs> yeah. Um it was, you know, I love Christmas. I love Christmas for many, many things, many reasons. Firstly. As an actor, it's actually the only time of the year I can guarantee that I'm not working. Yeah. Cause they can't afford to pay people over Christmas because it's too expensive. Perfect. So it's great. I'm fine yeah. with that. Um, <laughs> it also means like, you know, I get to, you know, be around my friends and family and and, and I travel at Christmas often, weirdly, i <laughs> no I travel a lot for work. Traveling at Christmas, here we go see, look at her. Looks nice, right? Did you string yeah. your own lights? Of course I did. Did well the whole done. thing. I did it all yesterday and this morning. I actually had on um, Wham's Last Christmas, which, weirdly, I I covered on my album. And I thought it was a very interesting choice of song that I knew a lot of people would be like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. And I, I, I always think that when you do a cover of a song, unless it's Bridge Over Troubled Waters or Somewhere Over the Rainbow... A pop song can sometimes be reinterpreted very many ways. I did it oh, on the yeah. first album with a share track, if I could turn back time. I took it, I slowed it right and, down. And turned you it did into Pat a Benatar with
4: Love is a Battlefield. Pat what Benatar, Love is a Battlefield.
5: So, you know, and often these lyrics are very, they're overlooked in these pop songs because they're sung at a speed that you sometimes are only listening to the, to the, to the melody, you know. And, and, of course, it's a brilliant song and I, I didn't want to touch it as that. But I thought, is there another way? Let's look at the lyrics. And you look at the lyrics of Last Christmas, and they're tragic. They're so sad. Oh, my God, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, let's, let's add strings. Let's take away the beat. Let's slow it down, and let's just see where it goes. And sure enough, that's what we ended up with.
4: What made you want to touch Christmas?
5: Well, you know, the last time I released an album, I didn't have uh, a huge amount of time to record and think about... Um, Christmas at least. And when the album did come out, everybody loved it, but they also said, where's the Christmas song? Come on. Like, what? And so I said to everybody, I was like, guys, we got to put a Christmas track or two on this album. I said, otherwise, you know, the fans are not going to be happy. And, you know, I love those Christmas songs. And so I thought I'd choose a very traditional one, which I know is under, is is known internationally. So my partner is Spanish. He sings it in Spanish. Um, I've heard it he? in Italian. I've heard it, yeah, and it's glorious, and it's just like this song has transcended time, uh, culture, and it's historically a beautiful, and when you hear it, it's Christmas, right? It's like yeah. it's Christmas. <laughs> All I need now is snow, a yule tide gathering, you know and and so I just thought that's why that's why even I mean, even my mum and dad like it, do they because <laughs> so,
4: so you don't spend Christmas Day with your mum and dad, then you can go
5: no, wherever. We 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 have done in the past, but no, I mean for them they they're just happy to be at home and they've got lots of friends that they hang out with because everybody's on holiday at least. They all everybody benefits yeah. from that. Um, yeah, and uh, sometimes we do, but sometimes I just you know they also know I work very hard and. I was just talking to somebody earlier. they're Like, you're always on a beach. And I'm like, actually, I'm not always on a beach. But when I'm when I'm free, I make the most of it. Let me tell you now. And I'm <laughs> on a beach. I'm somewhere warm, or I'm, I'm skiing, or I'm doing something, making the most of my downtime. And so um, this this year, we're um, we're off to Spain and then to uh, to the Caribbean. So nice.
4: Next up, it's Matt Goss. Yeah, Matt Goss of '80s boy band phenomenon Bros. We talked about a whole host of things when he joined me for our Christmas special back in 2019. And we started with a question which I'm sure you've all asked yourself at this time of year. Who would you sit for lunch at your dream Christmas table? My final question to you was, it's Christmas Day. You can populate your table with anyone, past Hmm. or present, dead or alive. Who? going to be a lot of people. Oh, you know, listen, I'm sure you've got enough room. Who is at your table and Elvis why do they deserve it? Elvis Presley. Yeah.
3: Because I think Elvis, to me, just, I really relate to him in the fact that he was a giving spirit. I liked his, the fact that he was, you know, the Memphis Mafia. We always call it the Maggos Mafia. We have a bunch of people around us that we are just so adamantly loyal. And I just love everything about Elvis. Ava Gardner and Rita Hayworth. Oh. Because I just think they're the two of the most beautiful women that ever wow. walked this planet. I uh, love
4: that. That's so old school, and you're so right.
3: Yeah, I just think Ava Gardner, um, something incredibly seductive about her, and and Rita Hayworth was just she can just doesn't really have to say much. Frank Sinatra said, "Sitting opposite a woman shouldn't be a staring contest," but I wouldn't mind staring at her for the whole Christmas dinner.
4: But, um, <laughs> her fo- her bone structure was amazing, yeah, wasn't it? Those I think for bones.
3: pure for f- pure beauty. And everything I love in a woman would be Audrey Hepburn, because um, I think she seems like would seem like a good hang as well. John Lennon, because he simply is that person that that would instigate something that would turn the Christmas dinner into some movement. Or He'd probably be the first to throw a bread <laughs> roll. Right? Jump on the <laughs> jump on the piano, and you'd just you know just to be able to s- sit at the piano with Imagine him.
4: Imagine the music. Wow, know, just yeah,
3: yeah. I just think he was—he's—he's he's a walking good time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Winston Churchill, arguably one of the biggest kind of influences in my life in regards to how I think that he led this nation. at the, Arguably one of the hardest times in human history, yeah. when we really just had the words of one man managed to Unite galvanize a, yeah. a country to the point where kept the germans away from our shores and, and not only that we did some damage and and we were out producing germany two to one and and i just feel like when i hear some of his speeches i have one of his original records on a megaphone in my house yes. his his one when we actually won the war i have that speech in my on a record so i would just you know i i've i've written the uh with my writing partner Stephen Enderman, the musical of Upstairs, Downstairs yeah. and we've actually inserted Churchill, the young Churchill at uh, the Admiral nice. of the Navy when um, before he was the hero he became. He was actually in, in actually wasn't held in very high regard back then. So Winston Churchill, without question, the Rat Pack. I mean, and I would say Sammy, Dean and and Frank. Wow. Um,
4: this is a table. This is a turkey. And but and this off. is,
3: this is a good question. So like, this is, <laughs> this um, is
4: great. Let's keep going. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, because it's if you, one of my favorite albums, if not my favorite album of all time is Frank Sinatra Live at the Sands. If you haven't heard that album, listen to it because the banter that he has, and he has a few lines in there that I relate to so much. One of the lines he says, none of my people here. And when he says none of my people here, it's it's funny. I play Vegas and when you don't have one of your people in the room, um, it the room feels different room feels different, so I relate to many things that he's he been was, through. He
4: was—he was that original great entertainer, right? He was—I mean, Elvis definitely had the patter, yeah. Uh, but Frank was the one that kind of made that.
3: Frank Sinatra was—it was—it was, was the testosterone in the room. Yeah. Something so
4: amazing about him because actually, probably not one of the greatest vocalists, but probably one of the greatest vocalists. I think, if that makes sense, I Matt. Think,
3: yeah, it does. I think he was a brilliant vocalist. I think in the beginning of his careers arguably one of the most beautiful voices you've ever mm-hmm. heard. But when he became more a Frank and he he had this persona, but what happened then in the Capitol sessions, I believe, is that's when you really began his understanding of the phrasing of lyrics. If you listen to the way he delivers a lyric.
4: Yeah, it's his phrasing. You're it's quite right.
3: truly, truly remarkable. And
4: and so I, many have tried to mimic it.
3: But what I love, and if the fellas are listening to this, there is something about the company of some good lads that is is very simple. It simplifies everything. Yeah. The guys will understand this, is that when you're hanging out with the boys, it's the simplest things that make you feel happy, and women think we're a lot more complicated, but we're not. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's a very simple hang. Like, and he is he is that guy, that the, that, and that's why I think what I do. Is doing so well around the world is because we go out and the fellas turn up and they get dressed up and they have their old fashioned or their, their scotch and they feel it's good to be a man. I promise you, it's really good to be a man. I'd love to know for a day and, at least. Uh, and it's when you're allowed to be a man and you just and you are around women like Anne Margaret and mm. that want a good hang. He, a uh, Frank, I believe, said. She's a good gal, which means you can take her, you could take a woman to the White House and also hang out with the fellas. And uh, that's how he looked upon Anne Margaret. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I feel like, so you have to have the Rat Pack there. Two very strange ones. I would say, um, Horatio Nelson. Because we were born on the same day. Okay. And there's part of that history that we kind of know. And what he went through and yeah. And prevailed, and again, like it's just uh it would just be good. Also, to I'd ask him to, you know, dress in what he's wearing in Trafalgar Square, just to <laughs> th- kind of theme out the party a little bit. <laughs> but, um. That's
4: so Vegas. <laughs> and then, of course, don't forget, you've invited your brother Luke this year.
3: Yeah, Luke is there, and I would also say I met I met this beautiful woman uh briefly, uh, Princess Diana, and she had the eyes that would through you into your soul I mean she definitely made me blush and I would say Princess Diana
4: I'd love to be at your Christmas table because it (laughs) sounds like one of the most fascinating collection of people you could ever hope to, to break bread with Next up, singing superstars Michael Ball and Alfie Bowe. Now, always remember that someone needs a good Christmas anecdote. And unfortunately, no matter how witty you are, no matter how well lived your life or inspiring yours might be, I'm sure you're going to struggle to compete with some that Michael and Alfie serve up because boy oh boy, do they have some Christmas crackers. Christmas is the time where we come together, gather around the table, we eat, we drink, we get merry, we share stories. And I want to know your favourite dinner party anecdote from your years in show business. A crowd pleaser that's been known to draw (laughs) gasps and slacken jaws. A Christmas cracker of a story. so awesome. I know, Michael, we could just do three weeks with you.
6: (laughs) My favourite was um, my final final matinee on Phantom of the Opera. And uh, it helps if you know the show or have seen the show or remember a bit about the show. I was playing Raoul. And traditionally, the final matinee is where you play tricks on people. Oh, yeah. So, for example, the lady playing Carlotta is in an opera scene and they put a ring on one finger and a ring on the other. And then I put cheese wire between. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she's like,
6: and then she's literally stuck like that. Then I came out of the lair for the final scene and I have got a ripped down the arm with Raoul for Christine Forever. And I'd arranged for the very su- final moment As the boat goes across in the background with me and Christine, to have a big old false hairy chest, a great big medallion and a cornetto in my hand. And all I've got to do is sing, say the word, I will follow you. What I didn't know is a girl playing Christine swapped places with the other, with the alternate. And I looked down and I saw them in... And all I could see was the back. I could hear the voice, but the voice wasn't coming from the actress. And I looked down and it was someone with, I don't know who they were trying to do an impression of, but they had the blackest eyeliner and the biggest false eyelashes, buck teeth, a little mustache, and
0: a little bit of a hairy chair.
6: And I turned around with a dripping Cornetto in my hand to hand it over, which I did, mm-hmm. and... I was laughing so much, all I could come out with <laughs> was hey, are you. And they came back and they went, You could tell it was your last day. And I went, Oh no, was it bad? They went the emotion in that last thing. <laughs> style
7: you. it out,
4: style it out. <laughs>
0: no, what about know. you, Al?
7: Oh my goodness, Christmas stories. Um, this is I mean, not anything to do with the business at all, but I come from a large family. I've got like five sisters and three brothers. And one Christmas, um, my dad had been had spent like the few months prior to Christmas making this batch of, of wine. But he was doing like he, he did his home brew. He it was the hobby of his to make wine, make beer, that sort of thing. He made this parsnip wine, so it's like
4: a like a moonshine. Yeah, yeah? like a yeah, moonshine. So, is that what they call it?
7: Yeah, and and so it was in the these uh, what they call demijohns, uh, the the where the the alcohol is trying to cypher down i was trying to lower the alcohol content a little bit but christmas day arrived and there was this brew still in the demijohns ready to you know ciphering and everything and all the guys all the lads decided to go to the pub for a beer and my mother was cooking christmas dinner with all this all my sisters and saying i, I can't stand this so the, the the fellas can just clear off to the pub and leave us to do this to, to to do this Christmas dinner on our own, they said right. To so open that wine, let's get let's get some glasses out. Let's open the wine. But she, they started drinking like thirty percent proof alcohol, you know, <laughs> in like wine glasses, thinking like it was just regular twelve percent wine. So we came back to this smoke coming out of the kitchen window <laughs> laughter music oh. going like crazy around the house my mother and my sisters rolling around on the kitchen floor fire coming out of the oven the turkey was burned everything was like Just totally smashed but it was one of the best christmases we ever had
4: <laughs> you know? that's brilliant
7: exactly yeah <laughs> so that was that was that was really one of the best the best uh, moments at home for me you know but they, like michael you know, leading up to Christmas um, in productions and things, there's all sorts of jokes that get played on you, and it's it's terrible. And trying to trying to keep a straight face. When I was playing at the Royal Opera House, um, somebody bet me a uh, hundred pounds if I would walk across the stage in this scene um, as John Wayne, so do a John Wayne walk right across the front the Royal Opera House stage in the middle of a production with George Schulte conducting. And it was like, 100 quid? Yeah, I'll do it. And so I did it. I did it. And somebody said, you all right in that scene? Did you hurt yourself? Because you were walking with a bit of a limp. And it said, that was my John Wayne impression. And that was another Christmas story.
4: <laughs> and finally, the man who makes up part of our Christmas soundtrack and has done since he had a hit with the snowman as a schoolboy soprano 38 years ago. So... What's it like not walking in the air, but walking into every shop on the run up to Christmas from the moment Mariah's defrosted and hearing yourself singing back at you?
1: But I remember every time I'd go to a rock and pop award, for instance, which are now the Brits, I'd be the only classical person there. And invariably, it would either be me, Pavarotti or Julian Lloyd Webber that would win because that's it. That's there was it. no one else kind of doing that, a, that popular C. thing. Yeah. and. <laughs> I think back and I think, my mum, bless her heart, would come with me, or my dad. And, you know, one year my mum was sitting, sitting next to Roger Daltrey and Boy George and Phil Collins, and she's a primary school teacher from Llandegvan in North Wales, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's a, not a different world, a different galaxy. Yeah. And, but I would go around with my autograph book, and I remember the year that i Walking in the Air came out because the pet shop boys beat me to number one as well. And I got the autograph from them and they were lovely to me. And then on the train, I'd go through the autograph, seeing what they'd <laughs> written. And the old tenant had written, ha, 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 you didn't get number one.
4: <laughs> yeah. fantastic! Wow. I mean, Alid, what a life.
1: Yeah, I've been really lucky. And, and do you know what? People like Bob and Paula and, and Diana even as well and Charles uh, were just so kind and so lovely. You know, um, Bob went out of his way to make sure that me and my mum and dad were comfortable and happy. And, and, yeah, it was amazing. And his daughter at the time, she won't thank me for this, um, but she was just really young and she was running after me constantly going, sing walking in
4: the air, sing walking in the air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was doing the same to Spandau Ballet. Do
4: you still sing it now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um Howard Blake who wrote it um wrote a version where I can sing with my boy voice. So I do that quite a bit. <sighs> and there was a time when, you know, god, I ha- not hated it, but I got embarrassed by it.
4: Yeah.
1: Um whereas now I'm old, so it doesn't matter.
4: Just own it and Yeah, it. exactly.
1: And and I've, and again, it you is know,
4: your badge of honor.
1: And it's and I'm lucky, you know, that it's played every Christmas, so, with you know, ever. it's Yeah. And
4: also, you know, it wasn't actually you singing in the no, film. I know. It's <laughs> Everyone amazing. Everyone forgets
1: that. I, and honestly, I sang it for a Toys R Us advert. And I remember... Is that right? Yeah. They were launching <laughs> Toys R Us in the UK and they had a boy flying around the store and they wanted to use Walking in the Air. Well, the guy who originally did it, Peter orty who's an amazing singer now, he's an opera singer, um, He his voice was broken. And so by then, I'd released, I think, 12 albums. And so, you know, I was the, the boy on the block, if you like. And... I went to the studio, uh, and it's a studio that I do voiceovers in now for Songs of Praise, called Sound Company. It was called ad Vision back then. And I'd only learnt 30 seconds for the ad. And so I went into Ad Vision, and the orchestra had just <laughs> finished, and they would happened to record the whole thing. And John Altman, who was the producer, said, well, we've done the session in a quarter of an hour. We've got another three, and a, three hours and three quarters left. Let's record the song. And I went, I don't know. I haven't learned it. And so... He and I learned it on the piano and I recorded it. Thank God.
4: Oh, my God.
1: Because <laughs> there was a period in my life when I wasn't really doing anything and, you know, the royalties from walking in the air kept me, yeah. You know, I just, uh, you know, the transition from boy soprano to, you know, adults isn't overnight. And so... Uh, no. But, and so that would keep me sort of in, in the public eye, I suppose.
4: And at this time of year, when, you know, it's everywhere... Um, and obviously you feel a sense of pride now, I'm sure when yeah. you hear it. But do you find that there's like the same bunch of characters on the circuit so that you're always running into like, I don't know, Noddy and Roy Wood and you all sit there and talk about your Christmas royalties?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah, there's our sky high. Um, and Do you know what the funny thing is that um, I know now when it's coming on because I know from the tracks before it where it'll be. I'm always sandwiched for some reason in between mistletoe and wine, Cliff Richard and uh, Noddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I know if I'm in That's Selfridges or somewhere like that, yeah, that I'll go, ah, I know it's coming now. <laughs> so, and in the old days, that would have been me out the store. Really? Yeah, but not now. It's it's fine. And when the kids were little, it was there was one occasion where we were in home base of all places. And my son, the little, um, it came on and he was like, that's you, that's you. You And I'm like dragging him out of the shop. Just now. Yeah. And I did did something unforgivable. Um, This is like a confession, isn't it? Um, When my kids, I think it was my daughter. Was it my daughter or my son? My daughter, I think, was very, very young. Her favorite cuddly toy was a snowman, but it was quite big. And we were going on holiday. Um, in between Christmas and January, and she wanted to take the soft the toy on the plane. And I couldn't face it, so I hid it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it just looked too bad when you
1: get on the plane with a massive snowman. I, I, can you imagine everyone going, Oh, he's forced it on his kids. Oh, my as God, well. all right, yeah, it's <laughs> you, we get we, it. We've had it. So, <laughs> so I was like, I hid it, and I said, Can't find
4: it. I'm and so you sorry. Know, have this one instead, you know, there's uh,
1: something else. <laughs>
4: Thank you so much for joining me, not only this week for another trip to the cellar, but all year. If you'd like to hear any of the episodes that we've featured, uh, you can hear them in full just by searching for the guests by their name in our extensive back catalogue. Let's save you the scroll, shall we? There's over 300 episodes in there. So just go to your search bar and today you've enjoyed listening to Alan Jones, Michael Ball and Alfie Bow, Matt Goss and Luke Evans. We'll be back in the new year. Until then, from me and all of the team on White Wine Question Time, thank you so much for your ears and your support this year. I'm wishing you and yours the most coolest of yours. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
0: Hold up! What was that?
2: The championship season is over, and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app and And hit
7: subscribe.
0: subscribe.